we have spoken over and over about whether the pandemic has actually fueled sexual activity with couples or singles or really detracted from it. So in general, this is a study done by the National Coalition for Sexual Health uh, with the Kinsey Institute. Of course, this is uh, their game. And basically this new survey found that over half of Americans aged 18 to 35 reported sexual difficulties during the pandemic, including low interest, mismatched sexual drives and trouble with orgasm. I think that's very important to note since uh, everybody thought there might be this hot vac summer uh, where uh, you know people in quarantine were just gonna have sex all day long and perhaps that really isn't the case. Yeah, so when you ask the question, did sexual activity increase or decrease? The answer is yes, you know, to both. And what's interesting is this study um, that you referenced just came out at the end of 2021. So it's not like people can say, well, at the beginning of COVID two years ago, we felt differently. This is, this is a very current study. Um, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to speak to Andrea Barica um, from O School on, on today's episode. One of the things that I love is I now have this visual. She said she came up for this came up with this idea while she was standing online at Whole Foods where you get that form and you could say, you know, what kind of cheese do you want? Do you want pickles? Do you want onions? And she said, I thought we needed to have that for orgasm. So she created this orgasm order form on her site and tens and tens of thousands of people filled it out. And I and I thought to myself, well, one of the things she said is how come we know what we want on a sandwich? but we don't know what we want for our own pleasure. And that really struck me as, you know, maybe we're focusing on some of the wrong things. Well, look, education is key. Like they say, knowledge is power. And some people are maybe finding it difficult to find accurate information about what's normal and what's not when it comes to pleasure. And I think this platform that she's created really allows for a no hold barred, you know, non-judgmental site to figure this all out. Welcome to the business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business, or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so happy to have Andrea Barica today, who's the founder and CEO of O School. Um, she has worn many, many hats and is one of the smartest entrepreneurs I've had the pleasure of working with. Uh, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. We are delighted. So let's just jump right in. Um, we're in the new year. You started O School as one thing and now it's involved, evolved into something else. Tell us about the idea and the progression, the, where the business is right now. I started O School so long ago now. <laughs> it was uh, 2016. I was personally dealing with a lot. Um, I was in a venture capital firm working and my for, first foray in this space was actually looking in, 
how I could invest in the space. And back in 2015, 2016, you were just starting to see LV, the breast pump get funded. And then you were seeing, you know, reproductive health was starting to be okay. Not there, but, you know, flex the Y, the Y combinator backed, you know, um, uh, menstrual, menstrual disc, disc. Yeah. right. Um, these things start, these started to come into view. And of course I saw this and I was like, Oh, like I want to make these investments. And of course I was just told no fertility, cool, but sexual wellness, I was looking into pleasure and, uh, I was looking into, you know, different part erotica. And it was like, absolutely not. Excuse me. You were told no from your venture capital firm. I learned about LP agreements. I learned about the payment platform. I came from finance, like a accounting software tech company. So all my network was like, this is why you don't ever want to start a business or invest in this space. And of course that enraged me. I um, became obsessed and I became so obsessed that when I started to build on the weekend ideas for my first ideas of sexual wellness education, um, the fund pushed me out and said, Hey, like, here's your first round of funding. Like go be, be. And so, so when we started, when I started thinking about it, it was coming from a very basic place, which is I, so I personally grew up in a Filipino American family where we did not talk about sex at all. Like, it was just like, don't have sex till you're married. That was my sex ed. Don't have sex till you're married. And, um, the public school sex that I got, which, which was, let's show you a video of birth. And, you know, and I was struggling at this part of my life. I had a very, you know, accomplished tech career at this point, but I was personally really struggling. And so I was Googling things. And so the first idea for O School was really around how do you learn about these topics? And there were 4 million videos on YouTube. There was very little happening online. It was really Planned Parenthood articles and porn. Like I would do searches all day long. And so when O School started, however, I was also seeing Twitch was a thing. So O School started as a live streaming platform where educators all over the world were live streaming education and that didn't work at all. But shortly after we were doing this, we started ranking in Google for, for terms without trying. Like in, if, you re, if you search for polyamory um, or other things, we were starting to see ourselves rank and I was very perplexed. And that's when I started to learn about on the internet Google doesn't want to show you porn necessarily, but if you're searching for terms, there really wasn't a lot out there. And what O-School is today is a trusted place for people to learn about sex. When you Google things about sex today, Google wants to show you things that are trusted. And before we existed, that was really tough. And today what we've built is science-based articles about sex and pleasure. When you Google something like anorgasmia, you're going to get WebMD or Healthline or a very, you know, medically backed site. But people often don't type those things into Google. They're using their natural language. They're like, why can't I come? Or my clit hurts. And that's where OSCL comes in. We use the playbook of a science-based medically accurate resource, but we use words that people use like blowjob and, you know, not fellatio, blowjob, because that's what people say and type and use. So that's how we, we evolved in many different stages. Um, but at the end of the day, my vision has always been, how do we get billions of people access to science-based judgment-free sex ed? Because the judgment-free part is also very important because medical websites aren't always the most accepting, open. You know, I also read many homophobic and misogynist things 
on medical websites. And so I felt, I felt like there were many parts of the institution, not just the VC and business institutions, but science and medical institutions that were leaving out pleasure. Lots of people don't have access. You didn't have access to a non-judgmental source of information. One of the things that I always talk about is I love how Alyssa delivers information and shares information in a non-judgmental way that's meant to help people understand and not to confuse and not to speak in doctor speak, but in a way so people understand. So I'm curious, Alyssa, as businesses like O School, and we've talked about this before, many of the other companies and the entrepreneurs we've, we've interviewed, one of the jobs they fill is they're providing education because of the gap that Andrea talked about. Either the information isn't there or it's presented in a non-judgmental way or it's presented in a judgmental way or it doesn't reflect their, their personal choices. What are you seeing and how much time do you spend in your office telling people what things are called, helping them understand, putting language to what their concerns are? Yeah, so... First of all, I'm so appreciative of this conversation because it's making my job easier. I will say we almost need like an urban dictionary for, you know, uh, sex talk in the office. But the good news is that sites like the O School are opening up a conversation where people aren't afraid or embarrassed to bring up subject matters that might have been off limits even just a couple of years ago. I think that, you know, we really have to give credit to O-School and other sites and, and just uh, so many different organizations that are really helping with the non-judgmental sides of talking about sexuality, you know, and even when you look on reputable sites, whether it's uh, Planned Parenthood or, uh, you know, um, uh, even the American College of OBGYNs, the language is meant to be a bit more inclusive now, which is great. The other thing is we are taught, and I think newer residents coming out of medical training are taught not to just assume what people's habits are, but to use open-ended questions in an effort to make people feel like whatever it is they're going to disclose to you is normal or, you know, something that you've heard before. And I, I think that's uh, a, really a positive step. So, Andrea, you started with the video streaming and you pivoted um, and you really have, you're like a tech wizard in addition to having all this knowledge now um, about every aspect of sexual health, wellness, sexual activities, choices, gender fluidity. So what is the business now? What does the business offer and how does the business make money? The core of our business is really definitely the content education platform. So we do offer it for free. We care about how people interact with us. And so we also have an email list that surfaces polls weekly to people. And we also have experiences like our orgasm order form. This is an experience that we built that allows people to uh, figure out what their, what their you know, preferences are when it comes to feeling good. Um, and the idea came waiting in line at Whole Foods. I don't know if you've ever ordered a burrito or a sandwich at Whole Foods, <laughs> but you have the like, you have the little order form and you're like onions, no pickles, right? And I had this idea of like, why doesn't it exist? Like, oh, touch me here to the left for 40 minutes and like, this will do it, right? Like, and you know, engineers have it, it's called readme files. Like when you build a software, it's like, here's how to use it. And we don't 
teach people that you get to make your own. And being a queer person, actually, I feel we have that advantage in that queer people often don't have scripts from movies or porn about how things work. And so you kind of have to figure it out on your own. And I wanted to bring that tool to everybody because what we find is that very few people, when you ask them, like, what do you like? Like, what feels good? They don't, like, when you ask someone, how do you like your sandwich? It's like very clear. They're like, I like, it. <laughs> you know, I, I know I don't like onion the pickles, but if you ask someone, especially women, we find, what do you like? They're, they're lost. They don't know the options. They don't know what the boxes are. And so we created that. That's one of our most engaging experiences that we built. And all of this gives us kind of a deeper understanding about people. And we, we have that kind of understanding. And now we're getting into business insights and various things, anonymized insights, of course, right? It's not about sharing people's identifying information. It's just about creating some understanding that even we find major research institutions, major business, you know, research institutions don't have access to. I called one of the top three market research institutes and they had non-binary, the gender identity listed as a sexual orientation. And I was like, okay, well, now we have to do some sex ed <laughs> for you because that's not how it works. And they talked about how, they told me about how they had to change that and how all that data became kind of problematic. And so um, I think a lot about just understanding, we don't really understand how to help people because we don't have the data or it's a one size fits all, right? Like if you're on a newsletter and it's one thing is supposed to fit everybody, I don't believe sexual wellness has that. So a lot of our business is based on education, data, and being able to segment and understand how different people based on different parts of who they are. And this is not just age, gender, sexual, you know, sexual orientation, maybe relationship status is normal. It's really like, did you go to church growing up or not? Did you have sex ed at all? Like we have half of US students right now getting zero sex ed in America. And of the half that do, two thirds are absent only until marriage. And so we have to know more about people too, to be able to help them. There isn't a one size fits all approach um, in 2022. 100%, you know, uh, your comments bring up something that comes up in my practice from time to time. You know, oftentimes I'll see patients and, uh, you know, obviously I'm a gynecologist, so I'm mainly seeing female patients or people who identify as female and their complaint is of a low libido. And one exercise that we often talk about with these patients is this direct communication. And if they can't put their desires, wants, or what's pleasurable for them into words, you know, we give them an exercise to do with their partner that involves drawing stick figures and saying, you know, this is a red zone. Don't touch me here. This is a green zone. Yes, let's do it. This is a yellow zone. I'll think about it, but we have to talk first. And I think that that makes it very easy to open up the lines of communication, even between couples that have been together for a while and maybe don't have that communication. So here's today's hot flash. This Kinsey Institute study reiterates that communication is probably the most important factor when it comes to sexual satisfaction and pleasure. One of the things that you both mentioned goes to the conversation and, and sex ed. And I've harped about this a lot that for the states that do require sex ed, some don't even require that it's medically or scientifically accurate no one's being taught about consent. That's why when you talked about the stick figures, you know, do not touch me here. 
Um, it, it's just really interesting. And there's clearly a growing body of research that suggests if children are taught the right names for their genitals and their body parts and understanding what they do and how they might fit together and what they're made for, that they're much more likely to report instances of trauma or abuse. And that is not meant to be a downer as much as this is really important for pleasure. It's really important for safety. It's really understand important for, for boundaries. So I want to go back though, to the orgasm order form, which I love, which I filled out. So I'm sure I'm blinded in there somewhere. Um, just share, this is crazy. How many people filled this out and some of the things that you actually learned? Yeah. Tens of thousands of people have, um, filled this form out and it's meant to be used as a tool, um, because it's, 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 funny. It's an order form. You fill it out. You can download these little cards with it and you can either show a partner, start a conversation, or a lot of people don't do that. They just, they, they love it. They want to fill it out for themselves. Some people send it to a friend who they know is, um, you know, struggling. And what we love to, to do, um, even as a precursor. So one thing I learned is that orgasm order form is actually too too advanced for some people because they're just like ah like i'm not ready and so actually this isn't this isn't something we have on the site but when i'm built like brought into coach i've done this activity with with folks especially conservative audiences because i think something that um i really struggle with is that people think that sex ed's just for kids and we are exclusively an 18 up platform um of course you know, people only just come to the site as any site is available on, on the internet um, that's not barred by a paywall. But when I, when, when you deal with how much shame people have accumulated, like there are 60 year old women in this country who are not ready for something like our orgasm order form. So we start them with something I call a delight list where it's just list me 10 things that feel physically good and, and start with things that are not sexual or have anything to do with your genitalia. Like, do you, like I, I will lead with people saying, I love getting my hair blow dried. I love, you know, that that's a sensation that feels really good in my body. Like that's how far we have to go with people who have lost that connection. And there's nothing medically wrong with them. There's not, there's not, they may not have a, a, you know, a, you know, something that you would have to see a gynecologist for. It's just, they have blocks. It's something that therapists need to know how to deal with, with people, but it's, it often never comes up that someone is cut off. And so I just want to bring that up because our orgasm order form, you know, tens of thousands of people have, have filled it out, but we often get people who are like, this is, this is too much. I couldn't even bring this to my partner or me. I'm not ready. And so OSCO really exists for those people too, who, you know, th there's a, there are a lot of resources out on the internet. We're not the first, there's tons of sites that, um, are available for people who know what they want to learn about and go but we are often people find us because they're searching in google so one of our top search term well, like our top landing pages right now is is watching porn a sin not is watching porn healthy not it, it like we, we we rank for is watching porn a sin because there's something there that like do you talk to your doctor about that a therapist like who do you talk to about things like that so, you know, people bring so much of their value system, their upbringing, their culture, their value system that's based on their family to the table when it comes to sexual health, uh, particularly in that question that you're posing about what's sinful and what's not and, and all the religious implications. I'm just curious, what do you do with the information you're compiling, not for yourself, because I'm sure you're, you know, collecting all kinds of data and uh, composing analytics, but 
what are the answers to the people who are filling out this uh, questionnaire or are they not really getting answers and it's just an, it, it's an exercise for their thought? It's mostly the latter. So people fill it out and they have what they've said for themselves to download. But oftentimes we will anonymize and consolidate the data and show it back to our community. So in our polls, for example, in emails, um, we have questions, uh, for example, one of our more engaging ones um, is, is it okay to masturbate while your partner is asleep? Yes, no, like there's a few options. And it was one of our most engaging. And we ended up just having this poll and then showing the community what they all said. Um, and, and, and it's permission giving. Because yeah. what I often say is sex ed is not about just education. It's about unlearning things. And so when you show people you're not alone or this thing that you thought was so you know crazy or shameful or rare is actually super common and quite you know quite nothing to be um, ashamed about that I feel like is the healing that I needed growing up that even searching on the internet may or may not you know scratch the itch for example body shame you know you can you can watch 100 videos on YouTube about body shame and it's still like something that takes so much time. And that's why support groups are helpful. And, and I know that a lot of medical professionals, like, uh, you know, patient groups and all these things. And the reason they're important is because it's not just about what you're going through. It is seeing with your own eyes that other people are experiencing it too. Yeah. And so when people we collect- always ask, what, what's normal? Am I normal? Is this normal? So that exactly. definitely speaks to that. And so we have data that's just being able to say, hey, like a few hundred of you took this poll and look how, look how across the board even you all are on all the different options or, you know, uh, and, and that is what we get feedback about that makes me excited. So we, we, we take the data and we just get to learn things. You know, we have questions too. We're a very curious team. Like who uses the most vibrators and what, what, you know, what religious group uses the most vibrators? Just questions, right? Obviously this has commercial applications, but in general, it's just helpful for us to know what, what is the foundation for people's choices when it comes to these. And I think it's just, what I hate is this monolithic type thinking, like millennial women do this. Like there's so many types of millennial women that, you know, people going through menopause, do this. It's like, what does that mean anymore? And so the data actually gets, gets, helps us complicate all of those monoliths. So two thoughts. So I just want to say, is that a vulva pillow, throw pillow? It is. Your... It's a okay. vulva mother Mary. I'm a, I'm a Catholic. So I feel like that is a mother Mary um, vulva. That's like a whole other episode conversation piece. Um, but going back to the business, you made a couple of comments, you know, which, you know, we're familiar with that it's hard to get payment processors depending on what you're selling. And there's issues we all know with advertising. What is the business? What kind of company or person would come to you that helps you drive the business of O-School? All types of people trying to sell reproductive health type services, fashion companies have come to us, hair color companies have come to us, a major hair color company came to us and said, oh, do divorced men, um, do they do they feel sexier when they color their hair? They thought we would have something to say about that. We didn't, but um, that these, these, are, these are just examples of um, people coming to us with all types of questions. So people have questions in business. And that's why I brought up like the top market research firms, you'd think they would have insights about this, but they very rarely feel comfortable going into this, um, this area of content. It takes a level of education. It takes a level of 
you know, discretion and, and, and people have trauma around these topics too. And so a lot of people find it very risky. Uh, do you feel like your audience is skewed in any way when it comes to the data that you're interpreting? I mean, because after all, these are curious people that are answering. They're people that are automatically searching for uh, answers regarding sexuality that they uh, didn't get elsewhere. Um, but what about, you know, the unrepresented, those who are too afraid to even go online and consider these right. questions? Right. Well, we don't reach the, we definitely have a skewed audience and we've actually done a U.S. Census verified study with people not on O-School just to verify how open the people who come to O-School are. And so definitely if you are looking for people, for example, the, is it okay to masturbate when your partner is, is asleep? We were astounded that zero people there was one option that was like it's not okay it's never okay to do this thing and we ran in a couple times and in one instance a few hundred people surveyed zero people came out to it's not okay and i know for a fact there are people out in the world who would be like very upset potentially at this idea and so internally we see these things and we actually have done external studies to to kind of try to study that baseline but to your point, even, you know, researchers, uh, student researchers have come to us who are doing their own research. It's, it's one of the toughest, um, you know, many people just opt out of surveys about sex, period. They're just not, they're not open to it. They think it's something super private and personal. And to those people, you know, in terms of how to serve them, they often come to us through the, the search pages that we have that have nothing to do with vibrators or sex or anything. It's, it's, it is really the voices pieces. Um, often, I think we get those people out of concern for other people. Um, one of the things, the most conservative people around sex, they, they're, they're not without curiosity, but it, ha it can't be about them is what I've learned doing what I do. Like if it's like- I'm asking for a friend, right? Exactly. <laughs> and that's why the non-judgmental for me and our values we put judgment free above science based sometimes because if we don't, if we're all science and don't keep in mind that some people are just so ashamed about this topic, I call it like the shame. There's a there's a shame, um, you know, barrier that we have to cross, and just being someone that you can say anything to is really, really, really important. So ultimately, this is a business. How are you making money? Are you selling the data? Are you creating custom surveys? So people, are you people buy, buy insights, like they want to learn things. They might run some, some things with us. Some people, they want to just try this out. We've been pre-revenue for most of the company's life. Um, and just recently this year, we've started to think about people who need to answer these questions. So they come to us and they need content because for example, if you're a large brand and you just start asking these polls that we're asking to your audience, what is your audience going to do? So you're going to be like, I don't trust you. You're obviously trying to sell me more of your product. Like, you know, if a yeah. condom company or a vibrator company does it, it's not ingenuous. We've been an education platform since day one. People know and trust us. We've been giving education away for free for five years. And so people are trying to come to us and saying, hey, like, we should partner because you can ask things to people that we can't and it's in a veneer of education. So the reason people tell O school things is because they need things from us. They need education. But if you if a product company or a you know a consumer you know retail company has these they know it's because they're you know you're trying to sell me something. So how do you integrate that? A company comes to you and they want information and you obviously we're, we're designing our first ones and so one of them is as easy as just asking our our audience um you know 
questions, right? And we already publicly show the data. And so they can, you know, obviously interface with the anonymized public forms of, of these questions. Um, internally, we know obviously, like when we know more, we can offer more. Um, and and obvi obviously too, we've done now some um, US census verified studies. And so that that is on, on the menu. And sometimes it is also just access or partnering on the content itself, which we've just now started to go about. We have, for example, projects around voices. I think this is vastly lacking in, in sexual wellness is there's a lot of education, but we also need voices, for example, menopause, right? We, we know there, there's either, there's, there's a lot of different polarized views on, on sex and menopause. It's either like, it's going to be the worst time of your life, or it's going to be the best. You're going to be JLo or you're going to, you know, not want sex at <laughs> all. And know, right. And we know that it's both and a lot in the middle, right? And so what we, we do is we commission a lot of different voices. And so that content we're looking to partner with, with brands about because that, that we know that um, it's really tough for a menopause, you know, a, a medical based company, people with different business models, content is like the forgotten stepchild of their business. It's really tough to invest in. It's really tough to show a positive ROI and everyone's getting, you know, killed on customer acquisition costs at our space. And I would, I would venture to say that the biggest barrier in sexual wellness today is marketing, customer acquisition, and the cost to reach people. Um, that's what's gonna make or break. And that's, I think, why Series A is really tough in our space. Because if you give a sexual wellness company $5 million, it's very hard to spend it very sustainably or profitably. And it sounds like you're coming up with some new products that hopefully will make spending some of that uh, hard-earned raise money um, on products to get smarter. One of the things that you had mentioned to me in the past that always stays with me is you're asking combinations of questions that no one else is asking. So this idea of what is your religious background and how do you feel about these certain sexual activities is an interesting set of questions that you bring together. Historically, we're just making big assumptions that you know people from this culture do this or people from that culture do that, but really getting into the what individuals like and then looking at a much broader platform, you have information that other people don't have. But Rachel, you bring up such a good point and I'm sure Andrea, you will uh, agree with this. This is a complicated subject, it's complex. It's not just, if not this, then that. It's, there's a lot of gray in between. So I think your questionnaires and your, uh, the orgasm survey, which I absolutely love, is really taking that into account. I mean, you may have all of your health in order and the best nerve supply and vascular supply to your clitoral area, but if you hate your partner and you have a lot of resentment, guess what? Things aren't going to work out right. If you came from a religious background where sex was only for having children or getting pregnant and nothing else, nothing to do with pleasure, it doesn't matter that everything else is perfect. So there are a lot of uh, ingredients in this broth, if you ask. Thank you so, so much. You know how big a fan um, I am of the work that you do. And we look forward to getting more and more insights. And literally the image that'll stay in my head because I can picture being in Whole Foods, checking that <laughs> off. But wouldn't that be a great product if you got like a sheet and you could check it off and say, this is what I like. And it sounds funny, 
But when you go back to what Alyssa said and what you said, how personal it is, how many different factors there are, whether it's physiological, psychological, cultural, wouldn't it be great if we all had our own order form that defined what we were interested in and what was pleasurable for us? Last story I'll leave you is we were invited on T-Pain, the rapper's um, TV show, and he filled it out. And at one point he stopped because one of the questions is like, what makes like the best orgasm for you? And he, he stopped. He's like, I've had sex with literally hundreds of people and no one's ever asked me that. And he like had a moment and we have his filled out form. And so um, I, I've seen it. Doesn't matter who you are. Like, it's really also just like groundbreaking that you can say the words and, and talk about, you know, and have permission to, to say, this is what I like. Keep it going. Keep answering the questions. Keep, keep asking the questions. Every I'm in this space all the time as, as is Alyssa and Literally every time I get one of your newsletters, I learn something. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I'm, I'm so excited that y'all are keeping the conversation going, especially with, with um, Dr. Dweck being an amazing gynecologist where you can talk about those things. I wish I had a gynecologist like Dr. Dweck. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business.